Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our podcast was actually born in Iowa, uh, wandered around the great United States before landing in Savannah, has graduated from Northwest twice with two very different degrees, and is currently serving as the Economic Development Planner for this region. Please welcome Kim Mildward. Hi, thanks guys. Welcome, Kim. So please, I, I think for people who did not understand about governmental entities and economic development things, please explain your job to us. <laughs> well, first, thank you for having me today. This is a pleasure. I work for a regional planning commission, um, have for the last 22 years, and our role really is to help communities um, and county elected officials within our five counties, which is Atchison, Gentry, Holtz, Nottoway, and Worth counties in the northwest corner here of Missouri, um, work on joint planning solutions or individual community solutions to some of their needs. So our agencies kind of varied. Um, we have transportation planners, we have solid waste planners, we have hazard mitigation planning, um, and then I do economic development planning, which is not what most people think of when they talk um, economic development. They think of the person who's out there bringing in those businesses and helping bring those jobs to the community. My role really is more infrastructure and community development. So the projects I tend to work on, why I do help them with that, tend to be more infrastructure related. So bridges, um, water, sewer systems, broadband, those types of things that we need to support our businesses, but also make it a great place for all of us to live. That's an interesting role because th just thinking about this, and so this is kind of funny to me, a lot of people, you know, if you live in an urban area, the first thought when you said bridges was that uh, here west of Maryville, we had two single lane bridges for the longest time. So that means you only one car can pass on them, right? I'm 46 right. going west. Mm -hmm. And so they're currently redoing those bridges, right? Right. So that we can get more people into town. Um, I think if you're not from a rural area, you have no idea that there's actually still single lane bridges. There are still such very, like a literal bottleneck to getting people to actually come to a place. Right. That, that is so fascinating to me. And so we still even have some places in the county. Um, one of the bridge projects I worked on last year actually was an old wooden bridge that we helped replace in a community. And so not only do we have single lane bridges, we have some older bridges that um, need replaced and are of various types of styles. Some that are back from the early 20s or 30s even that are still being used mainly in some of our farm communities to help get around and be able to put crops in and get crops out. Do you have grants? How do you get the funding for these projects? Most of the communities identify needs for us in various different areas, and then it's our role to help them find potential funding options to fix those problems. So most of them, we tend to rely on um, HUD funding that comes down to the state of Missouri, and we do competitive grants for those projects. So they can be water, infrastructure, bridges, just a whole variety of community facilities. And so we'll do various different parts of that. We may help the community write the grant, then we'll help them if they're awarded the grant, complete the environmental review process, which is what I was working on last night for one community. And then we'll help them actually administer the grant as well, because they maybe don't have the staff on hand who can have either the time or the expertise 
to go through and make sure that all the I's and T's are crossed as they're going through that project. Okay, so I'm going to back up slowly with you because I know that you have two degrees from Northwest. Right. And neither of them really, uh, maybe government, you said it was government. So talk to me about your your two degrees Mm -hmm. um, and tell me how they helped you or have helped you in your job. Early on when I was in high school, my favorite classes were always history and government. And so I thought that I would do something in government. Wasn't sure if I would become a lawyer um, and go down that role that is the criminal justice path, um, or if it would be within some other more of a social service round. And so when I actually looked at coming to Northwest, they obviously had a government degree with a minor in criminal justice. And so I went through and and had some really great experiences at Northwest while I was getting my government degree and thought I was set and was going to do that. You know, every community has government jobs of some type and thought that I had a career path that I was ready to get to go. And in 93, when I graduated, was a point in time where our economy wasn't very good in America. And so government jobs were fewer. And so I kind of decided that if we were going to stay and live here, in Northwest Missouri, that it might be of interest to me to have kind of a backup degree that I could do something with also in our community. And so I have a lot of family members who are teachers. I've always admired them. Actually, one of my role models growing up was a small town superintendent who then taught at um, Northeast Missouri State University, which is now Truman. And so I decided that maybe I could be a superintendent one day. And so you kind of have that path. Well, I walked into the office of one of the advisors of Northwest and I said, here's what I would like to do. And they basically, so that I didn't have to go back and get my degree in um, bachelor's in education in elementary, they said, we can actually line out a plan for you so that you can take your master's classes and substitute them for your undergraduate classes and still do it in about two years. And so that's what we did. And we lined that out. And I decided right before I was done, you always have those um, improvement of teaching classes. And I'm like, how can I improve on teaching when I haven't taught? You know, um, my experience was really limited to um, observation classes and student teaching. And but I really hadn't been out in the real world doing it day in, day out. And so I applied for a few jobs. But at the same time, this job with um, the local community action agency to work in job training was open. And I applied for it and I got it. And so I started actually working for a community action agency and then on the side taught classes for the Maryville School District with the AEL program in the evenings at the prison here and then um, in one of the communities. And so it was just kind of weird. And I loved workforce development and I stayed in it for well ever since. Did you just go straight through your master's degree or did you, did you work? Did you do any other like part-time jobs on the side? So I actually had three jobs when I was going through both degrees. I actually worked in at, with Aramark at It's Pizza. And then I decided that I was going to get into um, one of the office settings. And so I actually worked for the Dean of Students office and worked with all the paperwork that is necessary for our international students to come. So I would have to run over to the library once a week and look at currency rates and help convert that and typed back even then on the typewriter and on the carbon forms and had to make sure they were perfect, all their paperwork that they needed to have to come to school here at Northwest. And so I worked with um, some very fine people there who have gone on to do other great things across the nation related to higher education. 
And so I did that. And through there, when I decided that I was going to go back and get my master's, they actually gave me a graduate assistantship. And I managed what is the conference center at the time, which is now I think the station. And so I did that. And that's what kind of paid for my master's, except for those improvement of teaching hours. And then on the side of that, I had actually, I was the president of the campus activity programmers, which I think you guys call SAC. And that paid for two years of tuition. (laughs) (laughs) I managed to figure out some ways to cut those costs and be able to not have a bunch of debt when I got done. How old were you when you moved to Savannah? And then, and then what was your actual very first job that you ever had? So um, we moved to Savannah over Christmas break of my sophomore year. So I probably would have been about 15 or 16 because I remember driving and um, learning to drive a vehicle in Nebraska, um, which is very different than Missouri. But I actually, my very first job outside of babysitting was I worked for Hardee's, the local fast food restaurant there in Savannah for a couple of years. And so I basically was what they called a frontline worker. And so I ran the drive-through, I ran the cash register, I made shakes and kind of kept the waiting area cleaned and the dining area. We, that was a rite of passage in our community, was the frontline worker at the fast food restaurant. That was yep. kind of everybody's first job. What do you think, so starting in that, and then having like workforce development experience, talk about the skills that somebody, because I know I have several students in my university seminar class who work at fast food. Like what kind of skills or what kind of opportunities are in, lie in fast food? I think fast food is always a good place for somebody to start. You learn very quickly good customer service skills, money handling skills. We had to be able to count money backwards. Could I probably do it today? Probably not. Um, It might take me a minute. But we had to properly know how to count change back. So if somebody gave me a $5 bill and their total was $4.10, I had to be able to count it back to them correctly. Some basic data entry skills because we had to be able to push in Um, what their order was, and then just communication skills so that if somebody came back and their order wasn't correct, um, or if it was going to be delayed, where you could do that. And it actually kind of began for me, I think, really considering how multitasking works in a job and being able to shift very quickly. Because during a time where you're in a, a rush for either lunch or dinner or after a game, you had to be able to do oftentimes two things at once or remember where you were. So you might be taking somebody's order at the drive-thru while somebody's handing you, you know, their meal to go out the window and you're taking money and trying to do all those things at once and focus in an environment that may be really busy. And then it helped me figure out during the slow times, what could you do so that you were busy? Because back then, if it got slow, they'd send you home if they didn't need you. So if you wanted the money, you had to be busy so that you could stay. And so then you also learned how to um, work with others that were on that shift who maybe um, you weren't friends with in school. But then you also could figure out if you needed time off, since we didn't have paid time off, how to change shifts and make sure that that person was going to be there to cover your shift and make sure if you said you were going to cover somebody's shift, you were there. So there was a lot of good skill sets that come out of that very first job that people just don't realize how important they are. What have you brought over into your job now? So what are, what are a few key like tasks or, or skills or like ways of thinking that you think could be relevant to both? So definitely multitasking. One of the things that I find is that I have a variety of different projects going on at once and I have to learn to prioritize which one of those needs my attention the most on any given day. But then I'm also lovely, 
liable to have all kinds of interruptions throughout my day, or my plan may change. The plan I woke up with yesterday was not how my day ended. So I had planned to be on an online meeting at eight o'clock. By 9.30, I had planned to be working on another project. By 11 o'clock, I planned to be in front of a city administrator talking about a project and on the road to do wage interviews over at another community before going to do some research on another project in St. Joe. My day did not look like that. I got the first meeting done because things changed for the administrator. My stuff got moved up. And then because of the weather, I talked to my boss and said, hey, do you think the crew's even on site for where I'm supposed to be going at 1230? And we called and because of the weather forecast, they'd finished up yesterday or the day before. So I ended up not going to that community, but still ended up going to St. Joe and ended up in front of a county commission talking about a couple projects for my boss. So it didn't look anything like what I thought it was going to look like. And so I had to learn to adapt, which in fast food, you have to learn to adapt very quickly. We had Lily White from the city of Maryville, you know, the chamber director on last season, and she kind of talked about some of the challenges with a community the size of Maryville. I'm interested, you have the five county area where Maryville is the biggest one. So they're all small, you know, small towns all around. So what are some of the challenges you see in those small communities? So in terms of working with mayors and city councils, they all have a variety of different experiences. And so they maybe are elected to those positions and they want to do great things for their communities, but they don't have all the background that maybe we have. And even transferring from workforce development to economic development a couple of years ago, there's still a lot of learning that I'm doing, but we are able to work together to figure out hopefully some really good viable solutions for what they want to do. And so there is a, a vast difference of how a small community maybe operates and looks. They maybe only have a city council meeting once a month and it may be in the evening. And so you really kind of have to plan if you're doing a grant for them, when you're going to have your public hearings, they may be stopping by the office to sign paperwork that we need for a particular grant, or you may have to drop everything and try to catch them in their community so that you can get the paperwork signed. Maryville, because they're larger and has kind of a more of a, many of them have city clerks and county clerks, but that's maybe not their primary job, where in Maryville, that's kind of their primary focus 40 hours a week. Um, So that's a little different as well, just being able, and the level and the types of communities they have, and then the resources they have. So we typically have to be a little more creative sometimes when we're working with our um, smaller communities. Right now, you know, we have access to Zoom. And Zoom is becoming more common for us, but many of our smaller communities maybe have people who don't do a lot with computers. Um, so maybe they we aren't doing things by Zoom. We're still trying to do things um, on the phone or in person. And so it's just a different way sometimes of being open to possibilities and knowing that everything is not one size fits all. Definitely see that. Can I take experiences from one project to another? Yes but sometimes I still have to even think outside the box. What are some of the things that you're most proud of working on or some, some achievements or some accomplishments, some things that you're really proud of that have happened during your time there? During the time that I was in workforce development, one of the things that I am most proud of is that I was always willing to work with all of our partners in workforce development. We, all of our stuff that we have that comes through here mainly is subcontracts. So we're subcontracting with either our workforce development board, like we did for the workforce development board here to provide services to our residents. And so one of the things was, is I was always known as somebody who all the partners could come to if they had a problem 
and help them solve it. If we had new staff who were with another contractor, they could call me um, because I had been in the system for a number of years and I had that history and help them with their training. And so a few years ago, before I decided to take this job, they nominated me for an award at our state association and I was received the Workforce Development Professional of the Year Award based on my willingness to partner and help other communities bring up their workforce. And so that's probably one of the best things that I can think of. In terms of since I've moved over to the economic development field, I'm really excited to see the South Main project. Um, So from Kawasaki to South Avenue, we're going to be doing a large construction project. I was one of the members who helped write that grant for the city of Maryville. And it was the first time they'd made an application and they received it. So I'm really excited to see that even though I'm not on the administration team or working in it day to day, I'm really excited to see how it transforms the entryway for our town. That's a real key point there is that while you don't necessarily have a role that's publicly visible as far as, like you said, administrating the project or, or anything, you can feel like you've done, uh, you've had a, a major part in being able to get that project going and get it off the ground by that grant writing process um, and some behind the scenes work. I think, I think that's real important for, for someone who, you know, you, you have a sense of pride in your town and you have a sense of pride in things whenever you are working behind the scenes to get those projects um, pushed through. You know, many people, when they say, hey, what do you do? And I try to explain them. They're like, we haven't heard of you guys necessarily. And I'm like, that's because we work in the background. So the communities are the ones that we allow to take the credit for that. You know, we like a mention. That's always great. Um, We like it when they refer somebody to us to come work with them on a project. But really, we're in the background doing those planning tasks and trying to make it so that it is a better community for their people to live in and their businesses to do business. You know, we're Maryville for as small as the town as it seems to be for some of our communities. Maryville's our largest community. But when you go to other places like conferences, I consider us rural. When I look at a rural conference, I still even have to look at what they consider rural because they may consider a small town 40 or 50,000. And I'm like, that's my entire region. <laughs> So I have to be very careful um, sometimes when I'm picking out workshops and, and looking at training opportunities to say, how can this work, even though maybe what they're talking about is a community uh, you know, of Dubuque, Iowa, how can I take what Dubuque, Iowa is doing and bring it back here? And so sometimes that takes some, some thought and some scaling down because I'm going, I'm not going to have the budget that maybe Dubuque, Iowa had for that project, but what can I take out of that? And bring back that will work and you know the, the guidelines of what I can I can do so to to flip the the channel a little bit here you also have a bear cat in your household a current bear cat yep I do <laughs> so my son Hayden is a um, emergency disaster management major he is technically a sophomore I think after this semester he'll be a junior and so it is at that point where we're picking out classes for next semester Um, We're finishing this semester, and then um, we are fortunate with COVID that Northwest has, I think, one of the best, and I've always thought this, instrumental music program, um, because he is part of the Bearcat Marching Band, and they've still had activities this year. He's also part of the Wind Symphony, and then he's part of the orchestra, and I think he was talking about the other day being part of the percussion ensemble this next spring. And he is obviously... It's an emergency disaster management major, not a music major. 
So it is really great that he is still allowed to pursue one of his passions and improve on his musicality while he is doing something else that he hopefully will love for a lifetime. So yeah, that's a cool combination. He's pretty excited. His goal is to, he would love to be a um, police officer in a small community like Maryville. He says he will be here in Maryville. And I keep telling him, you know, that's kind of limiting, but what am, what else can I say when I've been at the same agency for 22 years? <laughs> With that in mind, knowing, you know, you, you have multiple gr- degrees from Northwest and you have a son who's a Bearcat as well. So what does it mean to you to be a Bearcat? Yeah. So for me to be a Bearcat, I think is just a really great opportunity to get skills that I can use for a lifetime and get a network of people that I can reach out to at any time. When I went to Northwest, I probably never really thought about staying in Maryville. I thought I would go out and do great things somewhere else, but I knew I always had a network. And I think being here in Maryville, it's great that I still have that network and I'm able to reach back out to people at the university to look at different projects and help our communities. And then also I can help connect other people to the great resources that we have. So it's about coming and learning skills and taking them and doing what you can to the best of your ability and really making a difference in your community so that you can say, hey, I'm a Bearcat. I'm proud of my university, but you know what? Hopefully they're also proud of me. That is something that never gets old. I think yeah. we have tours that come into our office, even to this day, and the the campus, just the place is, is sort of magical. Yeah. <laughs> just when you come visit it in person. And just the opportunities that Northwest has. You think of it as, you know, we're not a very large campus compared to some. I mean, you know, MU spread out over many places, but the opportunities that were here for me, I did stuff within, I lived in Perrin for a while. Um, So I did stuff with residential life, obviously had some good jobs on campus that helped prepare me for the future. My role with campus activity programmers led me to be able to travel and go to conferences. I mean, as a sophomore, I was taking trips to Florida to meet with artists. Who gets to do that? You know, there's pictures sitting on my mother's mantle when we lived in Savannah, of pictures of me standing next to Garth Brooks, or pictures of my family standing next to Joe Piscopo, from opportunities we had to meet these people. And so it really gave me a good foundation. When I was talking and working out contracts to get entertainment on campus, they all thought I was older, because I was able to do those types of things. That's unreal. Uh, At the end of our interviews, um, Mm -hmm. I've been giving people some open space to just share what they're thinking. So here's your, here's your wide open space. What's on your mind? What's on your, what's on your, your heart? What are your thoughts? Right now we are at such what I think is a crucial crossroads with COVID in our communities. It's impacting every part of our life and it's hard to connect with people. And so um, it's great to be able to connect, even if it's by Zoom with somebody. And so take the time now to figure out really if you feel like you don't know what your passion is, what is your passion and how can you take even a step towards that today? Is that taking classes? Is that finding some place that you can volunteer? Is that reading up on it? You know, the internet's a wonderful thing. We have so much access to so much information. Is that, you know, you want to start your own business, start putting things in place for that? Is it just you see a need in your community and something you want to do and and start figuring out how you can improve that? And that's all we can do. But that's, you know, I feel like part of the reason we were put here on earth is to live our best life. 
And so I typically, about the time this started, I had two bracelets made. One of them was says to be uncommon, which is something that uh, Ewing Coffin used to say all the time. And then the other one is from my favorite Arthur, children's author, Dr. Seuss, which is today is your day. And so um, I just hope that I try to get up every morning and, and thankful for the opportunities I've been given. Some days it's a struggle more than others, especially the longer this everything goes on. But just try to go out there and be your best self. And if you have a bad day, you know, know that tomorrow's still there and it can always be better. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. We really have appreciated it. This has been a great experience. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.